Hey, Jason Rice from Lot Pop with the new Lot Party Show. You see, we got a new backdrop and we got a new time. We're actually starting at 3.15 Eastern Time. We're going to be a 15-minute lead-up to the Auto Dealer Live Show every Thursday, which is at 3.30 Eastern. So tune in early to Auto Dealer Live. Catch our show because what we want to do on this Lot Party, just like what you do at the physical Lot Party at your stores, move cars around and stir things up, we want to hopefully stir things up, bring you some best practices and ideas from vendors, from dealers across the country. Another thing that we're doing is we're going to do a dealer of the week. You see these walls back here. We got dealer plates from all over the country where I traveled and, and actually been in stores. And I'm going to do a featured dealer of the week. That right there is for Zek Ford. They're in Kansas. They do a great job social media wise and and, and, and the website and, and, and no lot lizards of one price. They do. I actually bought a truck from them a while back and uh, they do a great job. Check out their site. But send us your plate. You can go to lotpop.com. Our address is on there. Send us a plate. We'll feature you as the dealer there. And and uh, we're going to, again, right now, this episode, I'm going to be interviewing uh, Ben Burton. He's from Kia Meridian. He's actually a uh, Automotive News 40 of 40 so of this year, the uh, 40 under 40. So he's going to be uh, award winner. He's going to go over the, some of these best practices, help him grow his dealership, this Kia store. Phenomenal numbers. You'll hear about it here in this interview. Check it out. Hey, Jason Rice here. I want to introduce you to Ben Burton. He's actually the general sales manager of Kia Meridian, and he's going to go over kind of a little bit of detail. So, Ben, how um, how long have you been at the store there? You're the general sales manager. How long have you been there? Uh, we actually took over this store in October 13, um, before they've had the franchise for about uh, 22 years-ish, and uh, weren't really doing anything with it, and uh, since then... We went from uh, 66 new cars a year in 2013 to uh, now we're going to push about a thousand out this year. Nice! Wow, that's a thousand, 66 to a thousand. That's a huge jump. What does that put you in the nation as far as Kia stores? Uh, well, we're not number one. I mean, that's that's the big boys, Facillo, and those type of guys. But it yeah. puts, us, uh, puts us number one uh, continually in Mississippi. We've seen nice. that, uh, that result number one volume dealership in Mississippi for the last three years. I should say. So one of the things uh, I, you know, we try to do on the show is just bring some best practices and things. And obviously from you guys taking this from 66 a year to over a thousand, what, what transition, what things did you do move around? What, what's some of the best practices that a dealer could, that you're, that you're maybe doing that you don't see a lot of dealers doing that got you to that kind of level. You got to get the community involved. Um, a lot of people say, oh, we're going to get community events, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. But if you don't have your community behind you, you're never going to get to these kind of levels. And, you know, I've been very blessed. Uh, my general manager, Myron Moses, has always been a very big outreach proponent of getting the community involved. We have a guy that that's what his goal is. We go out and we find events that we can get into, whether it be a barbecue or a bake sale or we sponsor a concert, whatever it may be, we get involved, we get behind. So that really got, what, your name out there? Did that take time to develop? Because i got a guy like in Oklahoma City, he's an independent, and he's telling me how he needs to find himself and stuff. And I said, well, that takes time. You just can't, you, you need to find that niche. But then how long did that take for you guys to dig through that and get, get that going? We get our name out there. And then, then it just kind of snowballs and comes to you. And the biggest thing that we that we did is we changed the way people bought cars here. For for 20 years, the only way people thought they could buy cars here 
what's the buyer to buy here pay here or, or uh, you know a local independent used car store nobody right. thought they could get the credit they needed or wanted or deserved so you tell them hey look you can get what you want you can get a brand new car you can get America's best car according to J.D. Power and Associates yeah. and we did that and we put people in the cars they want at great payments and we still pay the bills Nice. So, well, how did you get the word out with that? I mean, did you guys do a lot of social media stuff? Did you do partnerships on websites and things like that, or, or how did you get the word out? We uh, we changed a lot of our, our websites around. We uh, partnered with a couple of companies. Uh, one of them, Dramora, uh, they changed their website. We got a website with that. Okay. Uh, we used a couple of marketing companies. So we did uh, Excel Media, uh, looking at some other things with them, and we did a lot of direct mail pieces. Um, and, and just did a lot of saturation markets, um, did a lot of buyback mailers, a lot of uh, uh, targeted mailers to, to different people, to different um, makes. You know, there wasn't a lot of key people here, so we yeah. had to go after our own. Sure. We had to go after the Nissans, the Toyotas, uh, the, the Hyundais, uh, the, the Dodges, who's our sister store. We had to go after and create our niche market. So. Okay. Uh, and, and you know, being from Atlanta, uh, we had to bring a lot of that pizzazz into the market. It was a sleeping, kind of like we woke a sleeping giant. We came in here, we we nobody told, everybody told us that you couldn't do what we did. And and Myron, myself, and Jerry came in here, and we turned the whole town around. And now, whatever we do, we've got seven dealerships to try to do exactly what we do. Uh, it's pretty crazy. It's really, it's actually kind of comical. <laughs> Ten times different ways, or to see our, our mailers done six different ways, uh, to look at our websites done by different people. Uh, it, it's pretty cool. They always say imitation is the best flattery, uh, but bad imitation is pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, and two, once you get that community going, you got your, your foot in the door, you know, it's hard for the, the, the to kick it back out, especially the volume that you guys have increased on. And you got a lot of changes going on at the store. One, I want you to touch on, I think you said you got a little construction going on, and you, you said that's due to the backdrop back there. Maybe go into that. And then two, you got the holiday weekend, so I'm sure you got some promotions going on. So what are you doing to stir things up that way, too? Yeah, the construction is, uh, we're, we're starting, we're actually, we're demoing this, the facility we're in, we're going to build a whole new facility there, so we're going to be in trailers the whole nine yards for the production event, which is starting at the end of this month, and we're starting the demo inside, but that's, well, yeah, don't get me started on that. Um, and holiday weekend, you know, everybody's running a holiday sale. Luckily, we work for great owners. We're actually closed Monday. Uh, which is awesome. We're taking advantage of it. Yeah, take that day off. But we are definitely doing a sale. We're doing a sale up through tomorrow. We started last week. Um, so we take a different approach here. We kind of look at a sale from a standpoint of we take the last 10 days of the month and we try to do a sale every last 10 days of the month. That's our push. Mm -hmm. uh, we do inventory reduction or we do a, a major sell-off or whatever the case is and we try to throw those things out there and really go for whatever if key is running a special on a Sorrento or a Forte or a Rio we push those things as hard as we can uh, you know right now we're in a big used car push so we're pushing okay. those we're doing it we're on it our uh, elimination sell-off um, like we talked about earlier yeah. trying to get those things you got um, you said something about giving away TVs and stuff like that too. You guys doing pushing cars uh, every month? 
we try to do a, a big giveaway tomorrow, uh, kind of for Labor Day, and uh, we've done this throughout our our uh, time here in Meridian. We do huge giveaways. Uh, usually, we do them compounded around big events with the store or big events with the community. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow's kind of a, a, a jumble. Uh, we're giving away a 75-inch TV, uh, courtesy of a local electronics store and us. We're also giving away a car. I mean, people walk out of here. They're going to pay their taxes, of course, but they walk out of here with a, with a pay-for car. What kind of car is that that you're giving away? But as far as dealers doing a promotion like that, what kind of car do you give away? Is it something 10-year-old trade, or is it a, something fairly new? Or Trade, but it's something with yeah, we give away the trades. We've actually we partnered with two uh, major uh, manu- uh, manufacturers, one being PV, one being Listock Furniture, and we've given away a, a new Kia. Uh-huh. And we're actually going to do it next year as well, uh, and we're going to give away uh, another new Kia. So we've done that before, but every month we'll give away a used car. Okay. Uh, just a trade that we you know do all safety inspection, make sure everything's cool. And when we do that giveaway, we've got probably about six hundred people. Wow. Yeah. And we show you the size of my showroom. It's about the size of three of your rooms that you're in right now. <laughs> so now you get one or two cars sitting there, huh? If that. Yeah. So, uh, but you know, I'm I'm very blessed. Uh, Meridian has been awesome. Uh, the the people that, that has put in my path have been awesome. It's allowed me to be named one of the. Uh, 2016's automotive uh, 40 under 40. Well, that's what I was gonna. That's what I was gonna hit on you. So you're 40 under 40. So obviously you're getting some recognition for the great work you're doing. General sales manager. Last few minutes of our conversation here. As a general manager, what do you take pride in when you're dealing with employees? Because that's one of the biggest struggles: training, getting people to stay at the stores and not have big turnover. So what do you do as a general manager to help keep that motivation and, and things maybe that some other dealers can benefit from? Um. I want them to know that I've always got their best interest at heart. Um, I, I grew up in the car business, and it kind of a little bit about me is, is I was brought up in the old school type industry, old school type car business. It was never sugar coated; it always is what it is. But I kind of got a double edged sword because that was when I was with a, an older generation. I also worked in the corporate side when I was with America, so it's kind of the best of both worlds. And um, so you kind of got to see the do it or, or else, and you also got to see the, well, let's take care of this, let's yeah. take care of that. Yeah. So um, what I like to pride myself on is I take care of my people, I show them that I care, I try to show them how to get the results, and I try to show them that when I show them their their, their checks and their, um, their, uh, their money. Uh, one thing I do pride ourselves on is we're one of the most profitable Kia dealerships in the country. Uh, last year we were 260% over uh, profitability for Kia dealerships nationally. Wow, that's a huge number. Yeah, so we uh, we and we do it the right way. You know, we're, we're not uh, we're not crazy people. We're not you know messing everything up. We're not we're, we don't have a manufacturing facility. <laughs> Well, to get some people to know you better, you know, we got a, lot, a couple minutes here left. What's uh, what's way people can maybe get a hold of if they want to reach out to you? Twitter handle, phone number, cell, email, whatever. What what do you want to throw out there? Is uh, uh, at CBB three eighty two. Hold on, do that again. Uh, I think we got a little breakup. What was that? All right, it's at CBB three eighty two. Okay. okay. Uh, my email address is my name Ben dot Burton at Comcast dot net. That's I've had that forever. Okay. Uh, my my 
cell phone number is uh, 706-936-5852. Text me. That's the best way, man. Just text me, and if I can help anybody, let me know. Um, everybody's, you know, I can't believe how gracious the automotive community has been to me the last last two years. Um, you know, you, uh, David Villa, uh, Tommy Elwell, those guys are great. I met them at a, met them at a digital dealer. Yeah. Uh, Ziegler. I mean, uh, all those guys are phenomenal, bro. It's just, it's been a, it's been a whirlwind. It's been really cool. Well, it's congratulations on the uh, 40 under 40, and for you to be able, and thank you for you taking the time and giving back to the automotive community and give us some good insights on what it takes to take a store from 60 a year to a thousand. I mean, that's phenomenal. You guys do a great job. All right, appreciate. It. Uh, I look forward to hanging out with you. Hopefully, you'll be at NADA. Yeah. We'll be at NADA, we'll be at Digital Dealer, I'll be at the Used Car Conference coming up from Auto Remarketing, so if you make it any of those, that might be a good one, because I know you said you're, you're working on used cars, but Auto Remarketing's got a, a good conference coming up here in November. But uh, Good to talk to you, thanks for all your time, and uh, we'll definitely meet up in person. Talk to you later. Thanks. Well, this, I feel this is a really, really important, uh, it's an important thing for dealers to really take a look at. This past year, we had two million grads, right, were a member of the class of 2015. Wow. Out of that two million, 71% of them came home, not only with a diploma, but they also came home with an average of $31,000 in loans and debt. This year, 75% of graduates walked out of places just like this with an average of over $37,000 in debt. And even worse, they graduated with no shot of paying it back because five out of six of them have no prospect for a job at the end of their final semester. So in a term that every car dealer is going to understand, most grads wind up coming home and they're immediately upside down, meaning that they already owe more money than they have the potential to earn right away. Now, if you're the parent of someone in that age bracket and you want to help them out, know what you should do? And I feel really strongly about this. Tell them to get a job at the car dealership preferably selling right on the showroom floor. There is no better place to grow up than at a car dealership. It offers such a plethora of real life, hands-on experience, you know. Ask anyone who's successful in the car business, especially those who started their careers in dealerships, including myself, and we'll tell you that you'll learn more real world lessons in the first six months to a year of working there than you will during all of your years in college. First off, you'll shed all fears of having a conversation with a complete and total stranger. Because if you don't, you'll more than likely start. And that's a fate much worse than getting a shitty grade on your midterm in microeconomics. You'll learn how to communicate both effectively and efficiently with customers and management. You'll learn how to establish genuine trust with people who allow you to make them make a huge purchase, which to most is second only to their home. 
you'll gain in a tremendous amount of self-confidence and self-worth. Somebody who's looking to, for, to start a career in business, it's the best place, in my opinion, it's the best place where they should go yeah. to get that hands-on experience and to get it right out of the gate. Now, of course, it ain't going to be easy. You'll have to bust your ass, put in the hours, and work hard. And you'll make somewhere around $55,000 a year if you're just average. That's a lot more than you'll make working six-hour shifts at a damn bookstore or coffee place waiting for something to come up where you can use your degree in Southern Korean literature. So why wouldn't someone who recently shed their cap and gown be driving straight from graduation to a car dealership? The grads really don't look at selling cars. They don't even look at the car business, period, at all as an option. To them, working in the car business is the equivalent of working at a retail store in the mall. Well, because graduates and their parents feel that selling cars is beneath them. To them, places like dealerships are staffed by guys with names like Benny and Rocco who dress like shit and start every sentence with, yo, or listen here. Nothing against guys with those names, I'm just saying. If you're a manager at a car dealer, hire them. Teach them. Pay it forward. Dealers and managers, this is your fault too. Lots of you honestly look at people in their 20s as more of a nuisance than an opportunity. Most of you would rather take the path of least resistance, hire a retread whose resume has just as many past jobs as their rap sheet has misdemeanors. For some reason, having someone like this representing your dealership seems more appealing than training a green team. Let's give people in their 20s a chance. Let's show them that there is a lucrative career waiting for them in our showroom floors and in our B2C departments. Let's invest in training them, real training. Not that send them out there and see how they do bullshit most of you call training. Let's bring in a new generation, teach them the right way to take care of customers and reduce turnover back to normal levels. If the dealers don't try to change the perception, and most importantly, if they don't sell, which dealers are the best at, if they don't sell the facts of the experience that they're going to get, you know, the you know, recent grads are not going to be looking, and it's a, and yeah. it hurts everybody in the long run. Mm -hmm.
Turn on that radio and back here. The cops ain't likely to catch up with us, not tonight. So we can all be quiet and peaceable and listen to the music. This episode of Auto Dealer Live is brought to you by TrueCar. Hey man, it's Thursday at four three thirty, right? Three <laughs> thirty. The time change throws everyone. Yeah, no, I look down. It's 3.30 Thursday. I'm Dave Villa. I'm Dave Cribs. I'm Tommy Elwell. Good day to you. Otherwise known as the Three Stooges. <laughs> Hello. 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 You didn't know. <laughs> Tommy probably be the right guy to do that, huh? Because he's, he's the... Uh... <laughs> What's up? What's up, automotive oh land? Goodness. How you guys doing today? I think they're better. I said that expecting you guys to say, we're doing really good. But you oh, know, Monday here. sucks. You'd hear something like that. Oh, man, it's Thursday. We've got two great panels on today, man. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's just a good time to use the word chalk. Chalk full. Uh, Is that how you say it? Chalk full? Chalk. Chalk full. Chalk full of nuts. Like chalk full of nuts. Yeah, it's a coffee. That's one of those words that just doesn't, I mean, it just doesn't sound natural, does it? Like chalked? No, no. Chalked full of something? Chalked full of nuts. It. I don't get it. Where did yeah. that come it's, from? The, the, the show today is chalked full of goodness, automotive mm. goodness. Mm. We've got two panels. We've got so much topic that we had to split it up into two panels just to get it into one show. Just to Can't make it work. Can't say that one twice. <laughs> so many topics, you had to split them up into two panels just to get it into one show. We're very topical here. We put ointment on it, and we're better now, so... Is my mic loud? Mm-hmm. It is? It's Sounds not? good. Does nope. that sound good to you guys? Sounds good. Thanks, Lou. Oh, today, yeah. Cribs, today, today mm. we have two panels. We're going to be talking uh, subprime Yes. with the first panel. And then the second panel, we're going to be discussing the state of the industry. What you think, man? Well, I think the timing's right on that. I mean, the October numbers were down. We're going into November, which is not traditionally one of the strongest months <clears throat> of the year. Mm-hmm. And uh, now that we're post-election, yeah, um, we'll see what the uh, what input our guests will have on that. And uh, I'm I'm excited to hear what the state is now, what they feel the state is now, and what they feel it might be. You know, 12 months from now or 24 months from now. What do you mean post-election? What, was there something? We had an <laughs> yeah, something happened. Election? Election, yeah. Oh, the one in Venezuela. Yeah, that's the one, Tommy. <laughs> the Big rigged deal. one. Hey, so, <laughs> so it's, it's going to be a great show. We've got some great topics. We have some great guests, as always. Um, we've got, uh, in the two panels, I think we have a total of six guests, three per panel. And we're going to sit down and, you know, really looking forward to delving into not only subprime, kind of talking about, uh, you know, where it's at, you know, what the banks are doing. Um, you know, what's going on with, um, you know, with, 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 with the gross, you know, 
uh, on subprime. You know, we've got some some numbers that have come in to show that um, it's looking good. And, you know, where some things may have slowed down, it seems like the subprime business is kind of staying steady. So I'm interested in talking to the guys on the ground about that. And, Tommy, we're moving on to the second panel. talking about the state of the industry. We've got uh, Alan Ram, Bill Wittenmeyer, and Matt Woods on. Um, three automotive pros, guys that have been uh, both on the retail side and now on the, on the uh, ownership and management side of three large companies. But we're going to be talking about some specific topics um, and delving into the state of the industry. I'm interested in hearing what these experts, I mean, true experts, it's kind of, it's kind of be like you a fly on the wall. If you're listening, you know, uh, you're, you're a fly on the wall of a roundtable discussion between three giants in the auto industry discussing, you know, armchair quarterback stuff you know what i mean it's 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 kind of but yet but yet they're not they're not armchair they're like you know like uh like real nice plush you know um uh, thrones thrones game of thrones <laughs> yeah and, and i think these are the appropriate uh these are the appropriate <laughs> guests to be talking about the state of the industry because un, uh, you know unlike some of our other panels i mean it's you know we have amazing guests every thursday but you know, sometimes you have a dealer who's in one specific area. The three gentlemen that will be talking about the state of the industry are all over the country yeah. and also into Canada. I mean, so these are the guys that know what's happening, you know, in a broader yeah, sense. <coughs> Absolutely. Calvin Pierce said we are doing awesome here at the at, in the car biz. My, Speaking of Canada. Speaking Calvin of Canada. Pierce, is Calvin yeah. Pierce, is he Canadian? Yes, he, he is. is. And he also yeah, said, no, don't no, send no. us any of your celebrities. We don't want them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he didn't say that. I'm just saying. Yeah, you're bound to term to bring this whole Trump. Well, thing I didn't say Trump. There was. Uh, <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> Did something happen? I don't yeah, know. You know. Um, it's happened. It's kind of current eventy. Yeah. So people at least know we're not, you know, pre-recorded. Well, I'm interested. In, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm also interested in finding out what, you know, the market, you know, t t took, you know, took a took a dive and kind of was 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 uh, you know was volatile, you know, because you go through a change like that. I'm interested in seeing if it affects the car business at all. You know, um, I know Alan Ram's got a lot to say about that. Yeah. It might surprise you. Um, what he may say. I haven't talked to him since then, but I've talked to him before. So I'm excited about the show in general, guys. We've got yes. some great guests. We've got great topics. And um, again, you know, these are guys who not only are going to tell us what's been going on, because I think we all know what's been going on. It was a slow October. Dave, you mentioned that. And, uh, you know, business was down in general. And I think there was a lot of the limbo about the election. But now that the you know, November, even though it was pre-election until a couple of days ago, it was it began to pick up a little bit. And I think that's in part People saying, look, I've got to make something happen. And that's what happens when movers and shakers get involved. But now that it's over, I'm interested in hearing not so much what it's been doing in subprime. I'm talking about to the pros, what's it going to do now? What are we looking at now? You know, and, and, and because here's the bottom line. 75% of Americans have credit issues to some degree where primary banks traditionally you know, aren't going to touch them. But then there's some people buying deeper. There's some primary banks that are going lower in tiers. So I'm interested in talking about all this stuff. It's going to be a good discussion. What do you think? Uh, I think it's going to be great. I could go on and on about it, but I'll, I'll wait until our guests join us. But absolutely. What say you? Oh, I think it's <laughs> going to be a contentious debate. I cannot wait to get into the mix with it. <laughs> he was reading teleprompter. Can you tell? I think you, yes. Where is it? Which one are we on? Huh? The right one. We don't have one. That's right. We don't have one. We do it all off the cuff. I know you're some. I know you're shocked to know that we don't have any kind of script here with the content that we're putting forth. That this isn't scripted. I promise you. We didn't even. We didn't even. You know. We didn't have a dress rehearsal. Nothing. This is straight you, off you the cuff. You're not even wearing pants. He's I not. did not wear pants today. Yeah. 
Hey, straight out of Compton. We'll be right back, right? Hey, listen, here's the deal. Slash Tags, guys, has moved till monthly, right? Monthly? Monthly, once a monthly month. Monthly Slash Tags. So we're not going to be doing it today. I know you're going to be crying about that. I know. And you know what? This guy does an excellent job. Here's the reason why. You need to slash and tag more, okay? You need to slash tag more, and it needs to be more diverse. And we're going to be bringing you the best of once a month. Um, we got some new sponsorships and some new things coming up to add to the mix as well. But we're going to be going to commercial break right now. And in a couple of minutes, the next up is the subprime panel, Mr. Cribs. And I think you're going to be bringing the first question. I will be. You're going to be bringing the heat. I will be bringing the heat. Like, like, like Satan's up. butt crack. That kind of heat. It's <laughs> yeah, disgusting. That, kind of heat. that is absolutely yeah, disgusting. Is, hey, man, how do you, you know. Imagine wow. the smell that comes off of Satan's oh, butt crack. Oh, 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 Taking it a whole Let's, other uh, level. Take it oh, it's, it, it, it emanates. It emanates. We'll be sulfur, right back. The next up poop, is the subprime panel. Combined. Don't go nowhere. Or don't go nowhere. Hi, I'm Chip Perry. Earlier this year, we made a pledge to dealers that outlined some major changes designed to make TrueCar a more positive place for you to do business. I can't say enough how valuable your feedback has been and how much we believe that your ongoing advice and guidance will enable us to continue to improve our service to you in meaningful ways. On behalf of everyone at TrueCar, I want to sincerely thank you for your support and guidance while we are making these fundamental changes needed to ensure that TrueCar works better for you. See more at TrueCar.com slash pledge. Jason Rice from Lot Pop, and let me tell you what we do to help dealerships increase used car sales 20 to 30 percent in gross and volume. Three areas we focus on, trend reports, we look at weekly trends that no one else is trending to make adjustments on our inventory. Two is we do weekly review calls to review those trends, but also we dig through every car that needs to be price adjusted to increase the searches. And three, we do a virtual lot walk, make sure every car is standing tall in line and make sure we don't have bad photos like these. Check out our website, lotpop.com our blog at AutomotiveRevolution.com, and our weekly video tips at IncreasedTurn.com. Thanks. We're back. I was actually on the phone with a dealer. That's what took us so long to come back. And I'm not even ashamed about that because I was doing some business out of Pennsylvania. Speaking of Pennsylvania. Wait a second. Huh? Never mind. Yeah. It's Pennsylvania. Yeah. I, I got dealers in Pennsylvania too that yeah, I work do. with. 
Is it what, was it one of them? You were doing business 60 seconds before you came on the air, too. Yes, I was. Yeah, Dave's a busy guy today. So I'm I think we should probably, and you know, it's one of the things, yeah. So we, subprime is something we discuss here a lot. So probably it makes a good idea to, you know, discuss it today on the show. Absolutely. What do you think? You want to introduce the, the folk who are I th- here today? I, th- I think I'll do it. The next up is our subprime panel. We've got Ben Burton. He's a 2016 Automotive News 40 Under 40 award winner. Uh, he's an award-winning GSM Kia of Meridian. By the way, those guys are killing it, man. And, and here, here, talk about that, too. Yes. And uh, we've got Mike Hirschfield, president of Cornerstone Dealer Development and special finance expert. And we've got Patrick O'Brien, third-generation automotive industry professional and FNI killer. How are you guys doing today? Oh, we are fantastic, Dave, Dave, and Tommy. <laughs> nice. That's Pat. Make it tell. That's P.O. Wasn't that a show? Wasn't that like the Newhart show or something? This is my brother Dave, mother, brother Dave, and Tom. Yes, it was. Close enough. Yes, yes, yes. So, Ben, let's jump in. I want to go straight to you. You know, you're you're there in a very successful Kia dealership. You're on the blacktop. You're you're basically running the show as a GSM, plugged in every day on the floor. Let's. And the reason we're talking about subprime is now it's such a big piece of the market. So. You know, at your yeah. store, and I know Kia is extremely aggressive in this area as well, but in your store, how much of that is your market? What percentage-wise, walking through <laughs> your front door on a daily basis is subprime category? Let's do, let's do an easier number. What percentage is prime? <laughs> okay, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> and um, I mean, it, it's, uh, it, it's a lot. Of, it, it's almost, um, I would say, 75%. And the the cool thing that, that I like to do is you, you got to treat those people. You have to sell them to the aspect of is they're they're not. It's not a run of the mill. You know, walk in, walk out, sit down, run your credit. It, it's not the typical wham bam, thank you ma'am car store. We we do it a little bit differently here. Um, most people treat them like a number. I and mean, yeah, obviously their school plays a big part of it, but. You know, we try to treat them a lot different. We try to give them a lot of things for their value or for a lot of bang for their buck. Um, and Kia has made it, made it a lot easier to do that uh, with what they offer the customers with the, with the, you know, with the product that they, what they offer. So we just kind of piggyback that and, and, and show the customers that they do mean something to us and show the community that they mean a lot to us. And that's really helped us out. I mean, we came here three years ago. The store was averaging 66 cars. 66 new Kias a year. Uh, we're going to push close to a thousand this year, and that's literally, literally three years ago last month. Wow! So, uh, wow, man! You, well, congratulations on uh, on 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 killing it, man! What you guys are doing there, and I, I want to kind of ask Mike uh, Hirschfield about this as well. Um, you know, Mike, you heard Ben. Obviously, you guys you, you know each other, and you know that Ben in their store is killing it in subprime and Ben's talking, you know, it's easier to, to, to reverse the numbers and say how many come in that are prime. And so that's a question I have looking at the, you know, we're going to, the second half of the show, you know, we're discussing the state of the industry. So kind of going along that line, you know, if, if a lot of people, okay, um, have, have issues with their credit and, you know, is, is, is it, and, you know, and, and if it, that's, that's the case, primary banks, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, Kia and, and you know, and, and Nissan and GMAC and, and Ford Motor, all these need to 
um, buy deeper, you know, and 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 go and, and have programs in lower tiers. So let me ask you this: I mean, is that is that competing to a place with the subprime banks that is that is affecting the, the the subprime banks that are out there? And and that's part one of the question, Mike. But then part two kind of goes along with it: is um, you know, the the credit recovery. A lot of these people have credit issues because of a few years ago, and you know, they they make the income possibly today. And, you know, their credit might be in a position, but they're, they're you know, they're, they want to get back, you know. So is it, is it something that these manufacturers and these primary lenders are buying deeper on because I have to? Or is it something because it's actually, I'm seeing that it's actually a profitable stream to get into? A couple of questions for you, Mike Hirschfeld. Yeah, well, first of all, thank you, gentlemen, for having me on the show. What you guys do for dealers all in the marketplace, absolutely phenomenal. So thanks for all you do. Uh, to answer your question, I, you know, it's a combination. I mean, they, they have to do it. It's a competitive environment right now. Um, but, you know, it's very profitable, too. The problem is, is you see some lenders that jump in and get into the business um, because they have to, but then they don't do it the way that they should do it. And it's not around for a very long time. What we're seeing in the marketplace right now is a high level of competition, um, but we're also seeing a tightening on the LTVs and the PPIs, and the, it is making it a little more difficult for dealers to put deals together. However, uh, the dealers that that are strong in this and do this on a regular basis, um, they're not struggling. Mm-hmm. So, just a real yeah, quick. I'd like to add on. What, is this is this Ben? Yes, Ben. Hey, let me let me say this, Ben. I'd just like to add what to Mike said uh, when you get a second. Yeah, well, I'm going to let you add to. I'm going to ask you just a follow up to that real quick. Then is it so? It Ben, it Ben, is it whatever you were going to say? But also, you know, maybe answer is it is it still come down to then that you know because uh, you know like Mike said these banks jump into it maybe because they have to maybe because they've got to meet their quotas they have got to reach in and, and put some sort of program together but this is not our long-term goal so our long-term goal is that hey the market's going to turn around and we're going to you know move down the road so they don't do it right Mike said but is is it um, you know I guess my question would be um, is it still then come down to the person like you guys, you know, that's the strong, you know, guy with getting the relationships established, you know, hanging in for the long haul? And if that's the case, you know, are you more apprehensive about going to some of these prime lenders and sticking to some of your, you know, your subprime guys, you know, that you've done business with for a while? No, it, it's really cool with my with my aspect because I used to actually run a finance company. Uh, I worked for uh, AmeriCredit back in the day for three years before becoming the dealer side. So I've kind of got that dual threat mentality where I can look at a deal and look at the pieces of the puzzle that need to go with everything and kind of, I, I know what they're going to look at. I know what they're going to look for. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's been, that's been a big, huge proponent of me with my growth in the automotive industry right. with that. And a big part of that and a big part that, that, that AmeriCredit taught me was relationships lending. Um, you have to find somebody that you can build a relationship with, whether it's Wells Fargo that they're going to look at, at all everything you want them to look at and they're going to buy the, the bottom of the barrel all the way up to the top of the barrel or a, a Capital One that's going to bend for you when they need to, even though it's outside of spectrum, or your, 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 um, your floor plan lender. Whether it's you know us with Kia or Ally since we have dual floor plan, or it's um, a Ford Motor Credit, something like that, and and I've been very successful with Kia in the fact that they are allowing me to be um, 
to, to make people that should typically be a subprime deal, no questions asked, and I'm allowed to structure it in such a way to where those people are getting rates that, frankly, they don't deserve. But with our relationship, we're able to put them in situations that it fits for the bank, it fits for us, and it makes sense to, to the lenders that they can buy cars, buy new cars that they can afford because of that relationship. And, and it, it, it gets them in new new vehicles. It helps Kia with their number, and it obviously helps us with our new car numbers. But to answer your question around the loop, kind of say, it's it's about relationship. You've got to have a strong relationship with your buyers or you're not going to get the subprime deal call. If you just shotgun everything and hope and pray that something's going to stick, you can't do that. I mean, that's that's 10 years ago mentality, and it's not going to work anymore. And nowadays, I mean, 80% of your customers that walk in your door, they're going to sit in that quote-unquote subprime bracket because of they went through a market crash or they went through a job that left the country and now they're trying to find their way back up. Or they used to have a, a two businesses that failed. That's happened to a, a huge majority of this country. And we as dealers and the lenders out there have to take that under consideration and try to help these people out. And luckily, our community has rallied behind us, and we've done that. We've changed the mindset of this community, and we've really taken the buy here, pay here mentality away from them. And, you know, now they understand they can get nice new vehicles mm-hmm. or, and, and get into the Kias and the Dodge Chrysler Jeeps and that's our sister store. Yeah. And and we cater to them. We, we put them in cars they want to buy. Yeah. Patrick, let's get you involved yeah. in the conversation. You're still with us, right, sir? Yes, sir. Hey, Absolutely. I, I, I Patrick, what are you looking at? <laughs> in your picture there, you're looking up in the air. I, I always wondered, what, you, what are you looking at? That, man, that, that picture's from like five or six years ago. I was out I it was in downtown Atlanta doing, I don't know, and a buddy of mine was snapping photos of something else. And I don't know where it's it's one of those like, things where they're like, hey, look up here. To, look up here, and you're like... No, I think I was looking at, I I don't know, a plane maybe or something going overhead. I don't know. He's tiny, guys. He's tiny. Did you have something to weigh in? Did you want to touch a base? Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, and and just going off, you know, like what Ben was saying, you know, the relationship with the, you know, especially the the larger banks being that they're more full spectrum now than they, you know, than they were 10 years ago. You know, your Wells Fargo, your Chase, your Cap One, you know, these guys are going to go all the way from the lower end to the higher end. But again, your relationship with that bank, your relationship with your buyer, your relationship with the funding, you know, the funding managers and the people in the funding department, that's going to go a long way of getting you the, you know, the callback that you need, not only on the LTV side, but then also, you know, if you need a little bit of a stretch on the PTI, if you need, you know, a little bit on the back end, if you need, you know, if you need these certain things, you know, that relationship is what's going to get them done. Um, I'll tell you, you know, we're, we're just now, we're one of the, probably one of the only independent dealers in, um, in Georgia that is signed on with cap one. Um, and, you know, and that's because we're, you know, probably the number one independent dealer in the state of Georgia with Wells Fargo. Cap one's been beating our door down to, to get signed up. Finally, we got signed up with them. So we're just now starting to build the relationship, but because of how much business we're doing with other dealers or with the other lenders, you know, cap one is salivating to get our deals, you know, and they write up some phenomenal callbacks, you know, and that's the relationship. That's a great point. And, and, no, but just, let me ask you this, um, uh, Mike. Kind of go to you, somebody. Steve, Steve Sonny, I believe, uh, sent in a tweet. 
hear this on the screen in front of us. Um, he says the subprime is great, but he said when the market turns, you don't want to be the one holding the debt. Do you agree with that? I mean, is that a is that a stance that we need to, you know, to take, or is 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 you know, I mean, or is it is it a very viable business model no matter what the market looks like? Go ahead, Mike. What'd you say? I'm sorry, Mike. Go ahead. You know, there's a lot of different lending programs out there, right? And then you have to buy here, pay here, and then that. Uh... That's one of you. That's one of you guys. I don't know, but it sounds pretty pretty cool ringtone. But go ahead, Mike. Me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different lending programs out there, and there are some where you have a portfolio, right? And you're, you got some returns coming down the road, but. You know, at the end of the day, that that is all done at the time of delivery. You're going to create a collectible contract, you know, that's going to perform well in the store. Not much is going to change there after that's going to affect that as far as the industry turning. But, you know, I want to piggyback off a couple of things, um, you know, that, that Patrick said and that Ben said. And, you know, again, relationships are everything. Relationships outweigh the lending guidelines. A lot of dealers will run out there and they'll, they'll pick up a new lender and, Maybe they heard from their, you know, dealer in their 20 group that, hey, you got to have this lender. They're buying deep. So they submit deals, and they're not buying the deals. And they wonder, well, what's going on? Well, it's relationships, and it's also the history, the track record of the deals mm-hmm. that the lenders are getting. So you have to realize that as a dealer, if you're going to go out and sign new lenders, it's going to take a little bit of time before you build that relationship and build that history. I mean, I know dealers that with certain lenders, um, they write their own tickets. You know, the relationship outweighs the rate card. It outweighs the lending guidelines. So it is huge. I mean, at the end of the day, dealers are never going to control depreciation. They're never going to control vehicle availability. They're not going to control the lending environment. But what they can control is the traffic in their store, their opportunities, their process, and their relationships. And the relationships are key. It's mm, good, Seth. Yeah, I'm going to go back to Ben because, uh, you know, something I picked up on that you talked about earlier was the fact that, you know, mm-hmm. Kia uh, Kia is such a, an aggressive lender. And, and most of your manufacturers are, are, are pretty aggressive when it comes to subprime. But especially at the, the interest rates that are available today, I mean, subprime lending is still attractive. And not only that, it's not the, the days of old where someone came in with a little bit lower score and, you know, they had one or two cars to choose from. So that buying power right. is there for for the subprime uh, customer. So do we need to just drop the whole subprime uh, label? What do you think, Ben? Well, I, I don't think it's necessarily subprime, quote unquote, that needs to go away. I think that needs to be classified as something else because you know, you know, back back in the day, it was subprime, near prime, prime. You know, if you're over seven hundred, you can buy whatever you want. I mean, I'm seeing seven hundreds now that are getting stipulated that they need to be on this car or that car. And I'm sure Patrick can see this and Mike yep. can too, that things are changing. The industry is changing. And it, it, the days of 700s can buy whatever they want, 650s can buy pretty much whatever they want, and 650s and blow, oh, they're going to get stipped to death or changing. I mean, it's nothing to see a 520 with with, cat, with a, a Capital One not get stiff for anything. Or two years ago, Chrysler Capital wouldn't stiff a 480 for anything in the world whether you're putting real information or not and that falls on the dealerships to be responsible and something going back to what mike said uh talking about and i think david said this as well you know is subprime viable subprime is extremely viable if the dealers are putting reliable information in there 
if the lenders can get their collateral, if the lenders can securitize the collateral the right way, Subprime is, is by far the most viable auto, in, auto industry form, period, in, in the sentence. Because you don't make rate at 2%. You make rate at 15 16 17%. Because the, the lenders securitize that money at 4 and 5% and charge the customers more. It's a profit business. Everybody knows that. The customers, you know, when you, when you, when you do a... A deal with Kia and Kia writes the rate down to zero percent. They're losing their butts. Yeah. They're hoping that you keep it the full term of the loan. They're hoping you come and do service with the customers so they make their money on warranty parts like that. That's that's the way it is. What well, Pat? Um, let me. They, let me ask Pat this. Let me ask Pat. Thank you, Ben. I mean, you can weigh on this as, as well. But Pat, I mean, you know. So, what about the deep? What about the lenders? And in, 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 you know, I'm talking like like you know the the CACs, the guys that are buying like deep, deep. Um, you know, yeah. here's here's the thing. I want to I want to know is you know I, you know is there is there a mark? There's obviously people that a lot of people that fall in that category. Are are, are they? Are you seeing this person? You know, is there really a path to get that person, you know, out of the quote unquote gutter and, you know, get them to a place where, um, you know, they can they can better themselves, you know, or is it is it one of these things where, you know, um, you know, they're going to they're going to they're going to kind of follow down that path of what we used to call roaches or whatever. You know, they're just they're just a deadbeat, so to no. speak. But I mean, and I guess my question is, you know, are those banks then um, that are that are buying that type of paper? Are they um you know, are are they smart? Are they? Are, is there a huge amount of businesses out there for them? And then next is a de- should a dealer, if they have that type of relationship and ability, really reach out and start marketing to those customers at a higher level to say, hey, we can get you well, done. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you know your banks like CAC, your banks like Westlake that buy just everybody that comes across. Yeah, there is a place for them in the market. Um, I'm not sure how much longer they'll stick around on the dealer side, being the fact that their you know their discounts are out of control. But you know, if you have the right customer, they make the money. They they've got some money to put down. You know, you put them on the right car, you qualify them properly. Of course, there's still a viable option for those kind of lenders. Um, one of the big things that we're seeing here in Atlanta, uh, the Atlanta metro market, especially since we are a majority uh, subprime market. We're seeing a lot of niche banks popping up, you know, literally right around the corner from, from dealerships. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, they maybe do 100 deals a month with a bunch of different dealers, but they're viable also, and they're most likely going to be on that subprime and or special finance, as we call it here, uh, um, tier levels. Uh, again, you know, the, the best way to set the customer up property is, is not to let them – uh, not to let them buy something that they, you know, that they really can't afford. You don't want to put them into a situation to where they're not going to be able to make the payment. Obviously, because you want your customer to, um, you know, have success with their auto loan, but you also want them to come back once they've gotten themselves back on the seat. You know, and, and one of the main things with somebody on that side of the spectrum, it, it's time. You know, if the customer thinks they're going to come in, they're going to buy a, you know, even a ten thousand dollar car with one of these subprime or special finance banks, and then trade it in in you know, 12 months, they're sadly mistaken. I mean, they just really are. So you have to set the customer up properly. You have to let them know, hey, listen, this is the first step in getting yourself into the, into the, you know, into the right um, paying habits, the right, you know, the right habits that you're going to need to be successful moving forward. And then they can come and make a little bit better decision about what they want to buy versus what they're most likely going to be able to afford when it comes to the banking side of it. Yeah, thank you, Brian. And we're going to, we're going to make uh one round and for closing right. comments and we'll go to uh to ben because we're running out of time here but ben give us your closing comments uh on today's uh topic 
Uh, I would just say that, well, that was loud. <laughs> I would just say that, you know, again, guys, I appreciate you letting me uh, come on in and spit my two cents. Um, Subprime is definitely a viable market. The biggest thing that you got to do is you've got to make sure that you've got real information in the system. Um, no matter what, if you've got that, the banks are going to be more than willing to, to do something for you. Um, that's the biggest thing. If you give them a real story, if you paint a real picture, that's what they want to see. Um, the true information gets you get your deal done 20 times over versus bogus bogus stuff. Uh, and it's, it's tons of money out there to be had. And just treat your customers mm-hmm. with respect. Sell them a service. Don't sell them a number. So that's yep. what I would say. Awesome, thank you, Ben. Go, we'll go to uh, we'll go to Mike. Uh, but Mike, as you're making uh, your comments, somebody on uh, Facebook, Colin Crane, I believe Colin's with Colin's with Carvana, but he said something I think is interesting. Maybe you can tie this into your uh, into your closing comments if, if you want. He said, if relationships are truly getting a majority of subprime deals done, holding paper on those deals is scarier than it seems. So, Mike, I'll let you kind of chew on that for a minute, and you guys on your closing comments maybe can weigh in on that. Well, sure. I mean, that's uh, it's an interesting comment for sure. Um, you know, number one, I guess I would say that when we talk about relationships, what we're talking about is making sure that the lender gets a clear picture of the deal. I mean, at the end of the day, the lender's in the market to lend. You know, mm-hmm. they want to borrow the money. They want to give the customer the loan. You know, but they only know what you tell them. There's not a lot of information on a credit application. I mean, there's a lot more that goes into it. Maybe the guy had, you know, three jobs in the last two years. Well, did he? Is it because he couldn't hold down a job, or was it because every time he got a raise and bettered himself? I mean, one of the biggest things a, a dealer can do with a lender is make sure they're doing the callbacks, make sure they're getting the information from their customer, and uh, you know, ultimately tie it into showing them how that's going to be a good contract for them. Mm-hmm. You know, one thing a dealer has to remember is. is you know, subprime is different than prime. In the prime in the prime world, if you bring the customer in and at the end of the day if they like and love you, like and love the dealership and like and love the car, you get a deal. You know, there's not a whole lot more to it to it than that. But on subprime, they can like and love you, like and love the dealer, like and love the car and you cannot get a deal. And why? Well, because the lender might require some money down. You might need a co sign, you might need some things. So Again, what can the dealer control? The dealer can control their marketing, their traffic, their process, and their relationship. I just key process things that you need to do as a dealer. What's up? Be successful. That's good. So, Tommy, it seems as, Pat, as Patrick gives as Patrick gives his closing comments. I mean, it seems like downstroke. Yeah. I mean, I'd like to know how downstroke, how important it is too. But you know, Patrick, you want to go ahead and uh, and wrap us up, buddy. Yeah, I mean, you know, Ben and Ben and Mike were both, you know, dead on. Uh, going back to the Carvana, the guy on, on Facebook, uh, you know, a lot of these, a lot of these niche banks, only these big, big full spectrum lenders are keeping their paper to term. I mean, they really are. Most of these other niche subprime banks, they're all selling their paper, you know, to places like uh, Sterling or Mid Atlantic or Granite Bay or one of these kind of places. You know, these guys are holding; they're the ones that holding the paper down the line. Um, so. Holding the paper, I don't think, is that much of an issue for you know these larger banks, especially. Um, you know, and going back to what Ben said about the relationship, you know, uh, it's not only the relationship with the lender, but then the relationship you build with your customer. You know, if you show the customer, hey, look, this is the right way, so this is the best way for you to be able to get yourself back on track. You know, you're gonna get you're gonna get tons of repeat and referral business. Okay, they're gonna write you good reviews. They're gonna come back and service their car with you because you treated them right. Everybody that buys a car, their main goal is to feel like they got a good deal 
I feel like that they were treated with, you know, respect. Whether they're prime, near prime, subprime, whatever it may be, that's what the customer the customer is ultimately after at the end of the day. And, and I think that the you know the dealerships that are going to sell excel and continue to move forward as as you know as we go go on and on are going to be the dealers that are already doing this. You know, if you have to go back and you have to go back and you have to change your process to to, to handle subprime customers because you haven't been treating them the proper way, you're gonna be you're gonna be behind the eight ball when it comes to how other dealers are already doing. I mean, we market to subprime customers. We love our subprime customers as much as we love anybody else because the money's green at the end of the day when the bank writes the check. Yeah, that's good. Uh, Matt, like, thank you guys very much. Matt Lasko weighed in. Uh, I like his comment here. He said the dealer and the lender have to be partners for the relationship, which means yes. good, good dealers don't dump bad loans on a lender. So. Right. I think it's a great, great way to, yeah. to close this up. Um, and, that, and, that's why, and that's why we call them our lending partners. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, that's good. Patrick O'Brien, uh, Mike Hirschfeld, Ben Burton, man, guys, great, great topic. I, I think we could, we could extend this again. I know a couple of, uh, I think Ben and uh, Patrick, you guys were on originally. I'd like to do this, you know, once every couple of months. And, and Mike, we'd love to invite you on because, and maybe bring guys like Matt and, and, and so forth and have a rotating person. But this is a good discussion that I think in two months from now, it will look different. You know, this is, this is ever changing. Yeah, it will. And, um, it will. It, it changes every, it, you know, it changes. Honestly, it looks like it changes every single quarter. It changes every quarter. And with the securitization schedule, it really, it'll literally change every six months. It yep. just really depends on what the securitization <clears throat> is with the banks. It's That's good. the biggest thing. If, if, if it's harder with the banks to get money, they're yep. going to be tighter. If it's easier, they're going to be looser. That's it's the biggest thing. Yep. So. Awesome. Awesome. Dave, thank you guys Great so much. Stuff. We, uh, I appreciate every time you guys uh, you. have me on. And, uh, yeah, thanks, you know, guys. We'll, thank you very we'll much. Definitely guys. talk to you guys soon. Have right. a great rest of the show. You too. Thank have you. a good weekend, guys. Thanks, thank guys. you, guys. Thank you. All right. Thanks, guys. We're going to jump right into uh, commercial. The second half of the commercial break, we split them in two for you guys, so they're not quite as long. And Tommy, what's the next up, baby? The next up is your commercial break. <laughs> What's the next up after we the commercial break? We got pay some bills. <laughs> What's the next up after the commercial pay, break? Uh, it's going to be our uh, fascinating, fantastic next panel. That's what's up next. I think the sure. panel's called the State of the Industry State Panel. The I'm going to stop asking Tommy questions. <laughs> I'm just going to let you know. I'm, hey, I'm going to let him do what he does. You know what I'm saying? Just do what he does. Just be funny. Broadworks Collaboration Center. Let him be a collaboration let center. Let him be a collaboration center. So the next up, Cribs, after a commercial break, baby. The state huh? of the industry panel. So you looked at a sheet. I just didn't look at my sheet. Well, it's right there in front of you. Right, right there. there. You just had to look down like that. It's your cheat sheet. We'll be right back.
Service Group has over 40 years of experience empowering dealerships to grow profits, develop personnel, and provide their customers with a high level of service. We offer high quality products, world-class servicing, and innovative training and technology. Meet our team, first class trainers, the best account managers, and an executive team that's second to none. This is your service group team. We look forward to giving your people the power to All right, we're back. We're back, guys. Welcome. This is Auto Dealer Live. You're listening. We had a great subprime panel show. And the next up is our State of the Industry panel. And uh, we've got some great, great guests, and we're excited about having them on. Dave Cribbs. Uh, we have the we Director of Training Solutions at the Service Group, Mr. Matt Woods, partner of E-Lead One, Mr. Bill Wittenmeyer, President and Founder of Alan Ram's Proactive Training Solutions, none other than Alan Ram. Gentlemen, thanks for joining us and uh, appreciate your time. I know you're busy. And uh, Dave Cripps is going to jump right into some questions, and we're going to discuss the state of the industry. Yeah, and I'm going to go straight to Bill. You know, I just, uh, first of all, thank you all for being on. You know, you're on this panel simply because all of you interact with so many dealers across the country, so no one better to ask these questions. But um, let's go to Bill, and I'm going to ask Bill, you know, um, as far as the state of the industry goes, we, we heard the numbers for October were a little down, and November is not traditionally the strongest month in the business, but we've been riding such a high for such a long period of time. I mean, are we looking at the end of that peak maybe? Yeah, you know, and first of all, thanks for having all of us on, and uh, happy birthday to Alan, by the way, uh, the uh, United States Marine Corps birthday today, but uh, I had to give him a quick shout out there. But, um, you know, look, I don't know if we're at the peak. I, I do know this. I know, I, in my opinion, uh, in the opinion of a lot of dealers that I've talked to, I think we've put ourselves kind of back in that position of 08, 09. Um, maybe not intentionally. What I mean by that is I think you're seeing a, a overstocking, overproduction of vehicles. You're seeing over-incentivization right now. Um, all those kind of critical factors. And, look, uh, dealers are buying a lot of things again. Uh, which obviously is good from a vendor point of view, but at the same time, maybe not necessarily good from a budgetary standpoint. So, you know, I, I think we're at a critical moment. I think, you know, now that the election's behind us, it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, how the uh, markets react and then most importantly, how the, the consumers react. A lot of the dealers that I talked to leading up uh, into this week were a little soft and, um, but I don't know. I'm just concerned that we've kind of put ourselves back in that same position, whether it's peaked or not. I think most people have predicted that we're going to see probably some downticks, maybe not that severe, but certainly we're going to have to, to keep working hard. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Bill, you know, General Motors just laid off, you know, thousands of, of, of workers and, you know, a lot of stuff going on. But, you know, um, Alan, I'll go to you. Happy birthday, Alan. And, uh, and, and you know what, man, I don't think I said this on the show, but how about this, man? Let's thank him for his service, too, right? I mean, this guy's a, this guy freaking, you know, is a Marine, you know? I mean, come on. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, that's, that's not just, it's, you know, that's, I don't know. There's something about when you're Marines, man. It's like, it's, it's just, it's like, it's like, it's just tough. Anyway, yeah. Alan, man, you know what? I want to get you riled up because, because, so one of the questions I had down to ask you, you know, th there's this talk. You know, and there's because it's always talk in the car business. And a lot of times, it's it's by people that don't know what they're talking about, and sometimes it is. But people are saying, "Hey, does the future of salespeople, you know, in the auto business?" And I want to get your take on this. I mean, is it commission? Is it non-commission? Do the responsibilities are they going to change? You know, what do you think? 
when it comes to the future of the car business when and, and with relation to you know commission versus non-commission and responsibilities moving forward does that change in your mind or should it you know, you know look at how we thought the car business was going to change years ago with the internet and the internet buyer and everything and, and you know things have changed it's, there's a lot more technology there's a lot more information <clears throat> available out there but I still think at the end of the day, it's going to, it, it's a relationship business. Right. I, I still absolutely feel it's a relationship business. Now, as far as the question about commissioned salespeople versus non-commissioned salespeople, you know, it's like negotiated price versus non-negotiated price. You know, I, I think that what, what, what's important is that a dealership is consistent in their approach. I, I think it's, uh, I think it's interesting when I, one of the things I talk about when I do a pickoff meeting, for example, is I'll talk about gross profit, you know, increasing your gross profit. Well, I always want to have the information available. Do these salespeople get paid on gross? And I, I'd say probably 70% probably still do 70 75 percent still do but on the ones that aren't that don't get paid on gross they get paid on volume i think it's interesting that the managers are still getting paid on gross so the salespeople are getting paid on volume but not on gross but salespeople are getting the, the managers are getting paid on gross and they end up to me it seems like they they end up fighting each other you know i i definitely think that more than anything you have to pick an approach and everybody definitely has to be on the same page well, yeah. Let me let me follow up with that just just real quick, and and, and uh, before Tommy goes to Matt, uh, Bill, you know, on that line, I mean, you have dealerships, and, and, and if you if you kind of went to this non commission, I think the manufacturer or the uh, I think the dealership wouldn't mind that because it could I think it could mean some extra money in the pocket. But I think that you know, in a competitive industry that we're in, you know, where there's dealerships right across the street, the loyalty, you know, of driving a specific vehicle doesn't exist like it like it did, you know, you know, a, a long time ago. Um, you know, wouldn't that create a situation where a salesperson that may be on some sort of, you know, uh, salary, you know, not be as, as, uh, uh, you know, as pressured to, to land that deal Would the dealer lose deals? Would they be shooting themselves in the foot? I mean, what's your thoughts on this discussion that's kind of surfacing bill? Well, you know, look, sales is sales at the end of the day, regardless of, of what the actual product is. Although I, I certainly love this business and I think it's the most unique. And Wood and I were talking about that before we started here. But I'll tell you, look, it, it pay plans, and I agree with Alan, they have to be consistent, number one, whatever you do. Uh, but number two, I, a person's going to work their pay plan how, however it's fixated, right? If it's a gross-oriented, then they're going to sell for gross because that's how they get paid. Every person in the world, certainly in our business, works their pay plan, hopefully in a good manner. And, and that's why you have to set up a pay plan for whatever the goal and the culture is inside that store. And I think that's the most important thing. And, you know, Alan brings up a really good point because what ends up happening is a lot of dealers aren't quite sure what their goal or focus is, and they want it to be everything. So what they do is it checks them back balances in their in their theory which is oh i'll make the salespeople get paid on volume so they'll sell lots of cars uh, the managers can control the control the growth so i'll have them paid on growth and then what you end up getting is kind of a counterproductive culture and i think what you have to do is set what is the focus what are your guidelines keep it consistent and however you want to maximize in your culture your dealership that's the way your pay plan needs to be set up and then finally don't continue to change it every time a salesperson or a sales manager hears change when it comes to pay plan it's negative i don't care if you're giving them a raise as soon as you hear change to a pay plan that means i'm getting whacked in some way or form or fashion so be very cautious when you do that good point let me good jump point. in real, real quick on this sure. commission non-commission 
I mean, I think most of us on this call have been in the car business for a long, long time. I know Bill has, Alan has. I got in the car business in 95. Granted, I was only like eight or nine. But <laughs> when I got in the car business, it was the philosophy was let's hit a home run with everybody. Let's make sure that with everyone we're hitting a home run. And it was from a gross component. We've shifted our philosophy, not only with how we teach it here at the academy, but we see it across dealerships, and we, we relate it to the home run analogy. Instead of just going for a home run every time, hit a single. You know, just let's get a car sold, let's build a customer base, let's get some free advertising because we got the tag bracket on the back of the vehicle that has our name on it. And so the, the commission versus non-commission component, it, it's going to follow that track. Yeah, we, we may not be making as much per car, but shouldn't we be selling a lot more cars because – with what's happened with the digital age, it's made it easier to buy a car. So the, the, the commission component is going to follow that, but we should be selling more cars, you know, per, per salesperson. The, mm -hmm. the other thing, Alan made the comment, and I, I mean, I'm going to be called out if I don't tell Alan happy birthday. So happy birthday, Alan. Hey, uh, thank you. Number <laughs> five. Yeah, that's right. So relationship business, it's still a relationship business. Just like Alan said, it's where we build the relationship that has changed. We're not just building it face-to-face. -face. We're building it now before that customer ever comes in. We're starting to build the relationship. So that's that big evolution. And when we can get salespeople and sales managers to understand that, the relationship starts the minute you respond online. It will continue to improve the industry. I had a, a salesman sitting in a training class the other day that said, uh, you know, the Internet has made it harder to buy a car. I laughed. I, I let him have his comment, and I said, well, let me ask you a question. Has has the Internet made it easier to buy a television? He said, yes. Has it made it easier to buy a pair of running shoes? He said, yes. I said, how about a, a, a cell phone or a, a pair of, of pants? Whatever. He said, yeah. I said, then it's made it easier to buy a car, too, but we've just got to move with it as opposed to holding it back. Hmm. It's true. So, here, uh, Alan, let's go to you for two seconds, kind of switching gears. We talk about proper um expectations of management you know in terms of um you know goal setting and and accountability and so forth um you know what are some proper expectations in that respect when it comes to management you know it's interesting i had an oem that i've been in uh, that i'm actually starting to do some work with now and they said that with good reason they said hey we want we want to know a dealer before they start with your training where are they at and and after two, three months, six months, a year on your training, then where are they at? We want to know, we want to know the numbers. And, and I said that, you know, that's interesting that you would ask that because I said most dealers don't know their before numbers. You know, that they, they can, most people can tell you how many cars they sold last month, how many new they did, how many used they did, but what, what, how many dealers can actually tell you how many ups we had? This is exactly how many phone ups we had. This is how many internet leads we had. So most dealers don't, don't know exactly where they're starting. So it's, you know, when you, when you talk about accountability, I, I think that you definitely need to know your numbers, like Shark Tank. You've got to know your numbers. You've got to know where you're at now and where you want to be, where you're going to end up. So, you know, accountability, uh, how many dealers, and I, I've had this conversation with Bill before, you know, with, with accountability, we've had this, this BDC conversation. It's, you know, we, we don't necessarily hold people accountable in this industry. You know, we don't know, hold them accountable for their results. We don't, we don't necessarily know, again, where we're at when we start the day, where, where, where they're at three months from now, six months from now. So we, we definitely do need to do a better job 
at, at holding our people accountable. And I think dealers need to do a better job at holding their managers to hold their salespeople accountable. Bill, isn't that the only way really to grow the business? You know, if you're a dealer then and you're listening now, you know, I mean, to, to, to not just set goals, because I think that I think some people view maybe setting a goal like I, I want to sell this many cars this month, you know, and that's kind of where it stops, you know, and, and but there's really no um, strategy. If, 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 you know, to use that word, a st- there's no strategy to, to do something different than you did last month when you fell short of your goal. You know, so what do you think, Bill, about yeah. that? Uh, I, I think that's a great point. You know, and, and, and really, you hit it. It's like we set the goal of what is the result. Um, and then the other the other challenge in our business that continues to be pervasive is, look, we're, we're a 30-day business. And, you know, look, I like that. I, I think there's accountability in some form of that. But what ends up happening is we get like um, Etch-a-Sketch at the end of the month. We shake our heads and all of a sudden we've forgotten and everything's erased what we did the month before. It was all just did we hit the sales number or not. And I think it's really crucial. A, as Alan said, you have to get a baseline. And I think that baseline needs to be a time period, right? I love 90 days, whether it's six months, 90 days you know it's it's like the salesperson who sold 20 cars back in july and they sold eight this month and now they still think they're a 20 car salesperson well no they're an eight car salesperson (laughs) or they're whatever their trend is over the last 90 days and i think the other aspect is we can't focus too much on the net result after it's over it's history i think we have to look more on activity basis you know we do focus too much on what's the net result and i sold the car but it's all those things that lead up to that that we really need to manage if you do all those things that lead up to that all those activities the net result will be a car sold because you have enough talented people with inside the dealership i'll give you an example you can have a great person who talks to a lot of people with great product knowledge if you're tracking those activities then you should have a very strong manager that can come behind and close those deals and ultimately you'll have the results but what ends up happening is we don't we get somebody that burns through a lot of ups and then we say they suck at the end of the month and maybe they survive and they learn how to live on the 2500 bucks a month so i would say look focus a lot more on the activities and you have to do it on a daily basis and that's the other issue that we run into as well and let me just say, and that, that's, that's management is exactly what you're talking about right there. And, you know, the, the manufacturers have complex formulas for, for figuring out the numbers, for forecasting. The industry has complex formulas for, for forecasting. But at the dealership level, Bill, you've seen this before. Hey, Tommy, how many cars are you going to sell this month? And Tommy says he's going to sell 12 cars this month and everybody claps. And then you look and see how many cars Tommy sold last month, and Tommy sold eight and a half. He just thought he should say twelve. Then they go to the next salesperson. Then they go to the next salesperson, and Tommy said, "Hey, don't make me a salesperson." Right, and then and then, and then everybody claps, yay! And that's how that's how it all starts, right? Yeah. That's where it all falls apart. Well, hey, real, real quick to say on the same, I, I got to say this because before we get off the subject, because I know Cribs is going to change the subject slightly. Matt, let me ask you this because uh, Bill said something interesting. And by the way, Alan, I didn't know see, Tommy's right here. I didn't know you actually were in our sales meetings when Tommy does that. But he, yeah, it sounds like you actually what you actually do, Tommy. <laughs> and then everyone follows suit. You know, hilarious. So let me ask you this, Matt. Uh, uh, you know, I've always I've said this a lot to our sales guys, and because you know all of us in sales, and Bill had a great point. And let's look at it from a dealership as a whole level about hitting a number. I think that, you know, what is 30 days? What is a month? It's a measuring stick, and it's, it's really nothing more than that. And I think it's a really, really good point that Bill makes. That, and I think what happens, Bill, is if we're not close to our goal individually or, you, you, you know, corporately, at the end of the month, we start sandbagging or we start get, get, counting the days down a lot of times to start over because the salespeople, we hate losing. 
you know, we, we hate the way we feel. So all of a sudden, none of my guys, they're like, you know, I'm not going to hit my number anyway. So shoot, why add a couple of more marks on the board when I can kind of sandbag? You know, they're starting to already look. I don't know if you guys have any, 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 any uh, Matt, if you have an opinion on that, but I think that the 30 day measuring stick is, is like, is overrated. And it's, it's really like a daily, you know, it's a daily deal here. I got to do it every day. No, you're absolutely right. We're, we are building a, a management training model right now for a specific bigger group that we do business with. And one of the key principles that we're focusing on with them is, number one, a monthly performance review that happens right at the beginning of the month, first two days of the month, where a sales manager lays out a plan that this salesperson is supposed to stick to. It's got CSI. It's got a gross component. It's got a unit component. Uh, a dress code component, a, a performance indicators component. And going back to what both Bill and Alan had said earlier, you know, measuring the end of the month as, as opposed to recognizing we measure throughout the month. So that performance review is one. And then we recommend three times a month, three times a week, a daily, or excuse me, a daily, a one-on-one session with that salesperson to measure how you doing, what do you got working, who's coming in, what are the appointments, but it's constant one-on-one coaching. But where a lot of this goes off track is sales managers, if they're not careful, are handed too many people to manage. One person can manage about seven to nine salespeople on a regular basis. And that's not just the auto industry, that's any industry. And, but think about the auto industry, all the activity that goes on. There has to be a, a real measurement within that sales team. You know, what's done on a daily basis? and. I know this is, you know, Bill's area with e-leads. The CRM has made that so easy, but dealerships don't focus the right amount of time to get everyone on the same page with why we put stuff in the CRM, why we get out, why we spread out the reports, why we follow the, the track there. If you get to the end of the month and you've missed your target, but you can't figure out why in the middle of the month you were off pace, that month-end goal is just pointless, and we're doomed to do the same thing again. And by the way, since Tommy can sell 12, I can sell 13. <laughs> I'm a 30-car guy can all I, day. Can I, all day. Can I, interge- can I interject before I forget? Sure. You know, and Matt said management. You know, he used the word manager. One, one, one manager can manage how many people at a time, Matt? I, I was making the comment seven to nine is kind of what you see in, in uh, the, the white-collar world, but in the corporate world, seven to nine. Okay, so but let's define management. Okay, let's define mo- most of the managers in this industry aren't necessarily managers. We've got a lot of people that are good desk people. We've got a lot of people that are great closers, but they don't necessarily have management skills. Because how many of you? And I don't know if you're going to my graphics. If uh, you're going to be able to see this, yeah. but y'all see this? Yeah, we can see. Okay, it. that picture, that picture right there. Okay. What does that picture tell you? What would most people think when they see that picture? Oh, salespeople, they're being lazy. What I would see is that, that first off, that, would you all agree that that's something you see every day throughout the hour? You go to dealerships, you'll see this at most dealerships you walk into, you're going to see five salespeople standing around outside doing nothing, right? Yeah. Well, what I see when I look at that is a dealership that isn't being effectively managed. And look at how many dealerships don't have effective management. You've got five salespeople standing around outside doing nothing for hours on end, and you've got a manager sitting inside hoping someone brings him or her a deal today. That That's a lack of management. So I, I think we need to look at what our managers, what, what we really call management in this, in this industry. And I heard Bill say it earlier. 
we need to focus on activity. A manager's two most important jobs, I think, today, managing activity and training. You're managing activity, making sure your people are doing the right things the right way at the right time to drive traffic. If we're seeing this at the overwhelming majority of dealerships throughout the country, most we can safely say that most dealerships throughout the country are not being effectively managed. So I would say start there. Alan, but, you know, Alan, you, Matt and I were talking before, and, and this is one of the greatest businesses in the world, and, and, and the people in this business are unbelievable, and, and I wouldn't want to be in any other business other than this. And I think that our our culture as a business has done a disservice to all of us because, and, and look, I'm not a training company, right? I mean, I, I don't, I, that's not what we do. We certainly install processes in our own, in our own software. Um, and built around that, but as a training company, that's not what we what we really classify ourselves as uh, when it comes to you know the daily and the sales, et cetera, et cetera. And the problem is in our business is we still here we are, and this is my 25th or 26th year in this business, and we still don't put a priority or emphasis on any training whatsoever. It's probably the least instructional business in the world with some of the most amount of money that's moved and, and the most amount of people that's affected. I think there's one out of every six people are affected by the automotive industry economically one way or another. And we probably have the least amount of training when it comes to onboarding, when it comes to continual training, when it comes to management training. And, and look, it's not their fault, right? All these great managers that are out there, they've had to learn from either the person that got fired ahead of them. So they learned all the either bad habits or they ignored the bad habits. And, and in my case, I learned to do the exact opposite of some of the people that are around me. But, you know, it's, it's really tough. And I think a lot of managers expect to do a lot of other things over the course of a lot of hours. Um, and they're not really given a very good game plan on the structure of how to run a team, right? Again, it's back to what we talked about earlier. It's one net net. How many cars did we sell today? You know, and, and yes, that's extremely important. That's the net result. But it's everything that leads up to that that I think we have to focus on a lot more. Thank so you, Bill. Let me, let me, I'm going to sales team coach. Yeah, that's good. Which is what we're supposed to do. Well, you know, That's a good point. this is kind of leading into the question I had, and, and I'll go to Alan on this one. But, you know, we talk a lot on this show about all these different strategies. We touched really briefly earlier about whether commission, non-commission, whether one price, negotiating price, whatever that may be. Look, it's no secret that we're all looking for that one little thing that will maybe help us or give us an edge or help us sell a few more cars. But it seems to me that there is so much value placed in finding the next gadget or gadget, and there's very little emphasis spent on actually teaching a salesperson how to interact one-on-one -on -one with a customer. What do you say to that? Because I don't want to see that art go away. Alan. Well, absolutely. You look at why, you look at why that, that, that study that was recently done where it said that, what, what was it, that the average, if somebody starts at a dealership today, they have a 30% chance of making it to their three-year anniversary at the dealership. Think about it. Think of how many good people have gone through this industry, people that we would love to have at these dealerships. But we, we say we can't find good people. Think about how many good people have been lost because they start working at a dealership. Nobody teaches them anything. They don't, we don't teach them how to make a living, how to, how to, 
how to, to actually interact with people, how to sell cars. They get frustrated. They get scared because they're not getting any, they're not, they're not making any money. Then they've still got to pay their bills and they, they quit. They, they walk out and they leave. And then, and then what we think is we tend to, we have the bad habit of blaming the person that we didn't train for leaving. When really we need to look at well, what is the underlying issue? We we do have to we absolutely have to do a much better job at teaching people how to do their jobs. And again, it's not just salespeople; it's managers. Because Bill Bill hit the nail right on the head. How do most managers learn how to manage? We we tend to make and, and I think Matt said something about coaching. How about you're about to say something about coaching, right, Matt? Yeah, absolutely. The best coaches in NFL history have not been the best players. You look at who the best coaches are in NFL history, whether it be Bill Belichick. you got to put him on that list. The Bill Belichicks, the Vince Lombardis, the Don Shulas, the, the Bill Walshes. They, they were not necessarily the best players because it's a, di- it's a completely different skill set. Being a great coach is a completely different skill set than being a great player. But what do we tend to do in our industry? We tend to take the best salesperson on the floor and make them the coach. We make them the manager, and we don't really train them on how to manage. And by the way, here's something I discovered. Here's a fun fact I discovered. Your buddy, uh, John Morazzi, who's a good friend of the show, we figured out recently that we were both trained by the same general sales manager. Myself in San Diego, and this guy went to Florida, and then Morazzi had him in Florida. Wow. He was, By the way, he was a seagull manager. Wow. wow. Huh. Was a seagull manager, uh, Alan? It's, it's, it's a manager that swoops out of his office uh, every few hours, shits on people's heads, and then goes back into his office. <laughs> hey, Bill. That's why I'm not, that's that's not going to use his name, right. but, you know, it's, it's funny. Marazzi and I both kind of fell off the same tree there. But hey. I, think we, I think we learned as we went along. Hey, Bill, let me ask Thanks, you. Alan. As Thanks, we... Alan. Now I, can't show, now I can't let my kids listen to the show. <laughs> yeah, okay. If, if your kid is, like every kid week is for traumatized me. by the word, if your kid is traumatized by the word shit. Hey, Bill, let me ask you this. As we, as we it's, begin. Well, the... I don't think we have to be politically correct anymore, by the way. That's, that's what I heard. I'm just messing with you, man. Hey Bill, even if, we, if you weren't messing with me, I'm not going to change. So keep going. <laughs> I'm with you. Hey Bill, let me let me ask you this: as we begin to wrap up and give you guys a couple of minutes to, to you know to, to wind down, you know, um, I know you, you said you're not a training company and you you implement processes within your system, but you know we're talking about accountability and management here, and kind of in your your couple of minutes of closing, I mean. Even with your tool, I mean, with the fact that that you know that you place this amazing software and, and ability at the fingertips of dealers, and we're, it really, if properly used, will solve a lot of the issues that we're discussing here today. And Alan and Matt are talking about managers, you know, really the Peter principle of being a really good salesperson and, a, and, and ultimately not a good manager. Um, you know, they they're not holding accountable. You know, when a salesman is not properly or not at all utilizing, you know, the tools, for instance, like yours that you're putting in their hands. So, so they're really not using it. And and really, you know, how much accountability is really there when they sit down in front of this manager, Bill? You know, to kind of say, you know, and 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 it comes to the surface that maybe they're not really utilizing it. 
Yeah, and look, it, it doesn't really matter any of the tools, right? I mean, there's a lot of great tools out there, and, and in most dealerships, the greatest graveyards of technology. There's maybe one or two people that actually know how to use each one of them, right? And that's part of the problem. I think, you know, there has to be more of a focus in, in terms of what is an actual salesperson's responsibility. Um, it all boils down to if you ask them, well, I have to sell a car, right? I think if you if you volunteered, went through, and asked the questions on anybody, I do this in my own company in our departments all the time, which is, hey, what do you think your three focuses are every month? And it's amazing the different amount of answers you'll get, and you have to keep practice, drill, rehearse, and remind them what their actual goal is. Yes, the ultimate goal is to sell a car, but you have these other 20 things ahead of that before you can get to sell a car. It's almost like negotiation. Look, I don't think you have to be a strong closer or a negotiator. You know, there's, That's the glamorous stuff that everybody likes to talk about. That's 10% of the job if you do the other 90%. The problem is we don't do the other 90%, so negotiation and closing becomes 90% of the job. We have to really kind of refocus on what those activities are and what that activity works for your dealership. And and don't go overboard, right? Keep it simple. In in our company, I have six activities uh, that we require our people to do on a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly basis, and they have to report it to me. I'm not looking to do and give to them. Each one of our people has to come to me on a daily, weekly, monthly basis and tell me, exactly where they're at. They're trending, they're tracking for the day, the week, the month, the year on all those activities. And I think that's something we have to focus in in our business a little bit more. It's less of the end result, more of how we got there. That's good. Awesome. So are we, are we wrapping up, yeah, guys? That was, good. Thank you. That was Bill. That was yes, great. Thank you, Bill. Let's, uh, Matt, you want to go ahead and give us your closing thoughts on the subject, sir? Yeah, I, I agree with uh, everything uh, Alan said, even the comment about my kid being traumatized. I think he'd be okay. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, you know, Bill, what Bill was saying, too, I know one of the things you guys had, had led off with is the state of the industry. One of the things I'm really encouraged by is just the auto industry, period. Uh, I gave a presentation in New Mexico recently at their convention, the Auto Dealers Convention, and I, it was on compliance. It was walking through some of the compliance issues that dealers needs to be aware of, not in a legal format, but in a practical format, how you operate practically in the compliance environment and the regulatory environment that we're in now. It was about a 45-minute Q&A period. It was a really good interaction with the audience. One of the dealers at the end said, you got any good news for us? And I, I smiled real big and I said, yeah, I have some great news. It's still the car business. Regardless of whatever gets thrown at us in the auto industry since However long ago, like when Alan got in the car business in the 30s, I think, maybe 40s. I'm kidding, Alan. Uh, but when, when all. Uh, yeah, whoever, you better throw that in. <laughs> whenever, whoever got in the car business, whatever age they were, the one thing that's maintained it, its consistency is the car business has always been profitable. We find ways to help people to continue to comply with the regulations that come down the pipe. And I'll be honest with you, they're, they're forcing us to be a little more open and transparent. Some of them are, don't make sense, but we still comply with them. It's still the car business. We're still able to help people find quality transportation, also provide a quality living when they work in the dealership, and provide a ton of jobs. So the one key that the auto industry continues to need more than anything else is quality coaching from quality leaders because the people that are coming into the industry, the young ones right now, they want the coaching. They want the leadership. That's good. So my first Studebaker, nineteen forty-three. That's great. Man. I remember that. <laughs> Alan, you want to you want to you want to close this out, Alan? 
Now, now Matt has a lot of credibility. He looks like you get Matt. What do you, you get your haircut like twice a week, don't you? Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> do you walk in and say, "Hey, I want the Mike Pence." Uh, wow. I just tell him. I just tell him push it that way. <laughs> uh, it's you know, and I agree. This, this was a great panel, and you know, I, I, I agree wholeheartedly with what Matt just said. Other than the the, the me being old part, and, and what Bill and what what Bill said as well. And, you know, a, a lot of, uh, I do, I think that there's still plenty of opportunity. I, I, we've all heard that the best of times breed the worst of habits. And I think a lot of dealerships are, we're, we're, we're getting a little bit sloppy. And we all know how many cars we sell every month, but, but how many deals do we miss? And again, I'm going to refer to, to my buddy Morazi again, who always says it's, it's not who sells the most, it's who spills the least. And when we talk about technology, you know, I heard, you know, Matt said, you know, the, 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 what, what was it you said about the internet? You were talking about somebody that said the internet has made it harder to sell cars. Right, that's what they said. And I made the comment, it's made it easier to buy everything. Absolutely. It, it's, you know, you hear salespeople bemoan, oh my God, there's so much information out there on the internet. Well, how about we adapt to it? We can control the information that we put out on the internet. I still look at dealers when we get calls at our office and I, I'm researching a client, researching a dealer. I'll look at their reviews and it's amazing how many dealers still don't pay attention to this stuff. They, they, they still don't pay attention to things as, 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 uh, as simple as online reviews. I saw, and I'll give these guys a plug because I saw this thing last week and it was spectacular. I saw a product. It's called, um, it was called, the, the website I know is getrealcustomer.com, and it's a, it's a platform, and Bill, you should look at this for Elite, because this was slick. And it's, it's video reviews that dealers can, that, that, that actual customer, customers actually film when they're at the dealership, takes about 15 minutes, and the dealers can put them all over their websites, all over social media. We have the ability to control the information these days. And, and that's what I think we need to do a much better job of. So instead of bemoaning, oh my God, it's so hard. These customers are educated. You know, these customers are educated. They have so much information. Let's control the information that they're getting. Yeah. And uh, that's that would be my uh, closing comment. But uh, I think it was a great, you know, what uh, I agree wholeheartedly with what Bill and uh, what Matt said today. I'm going to give, actually, I'm going to give Bill the final words. I want to thank Matt Woods for the service group and Alan Ram with Proactive Training Solutions. And, Bill, I'm going to give you the final word because you've been, you know, one of the things I want to say, Bill, you've been busy, man. I've been watching on social media going everywhere. You were, like, you were almost as busy as Trump, man. I, he's, like, literally in different cities. I, I, I saw him in Tampa, and I'm, like, like, a mile away from our office. And I saw it, like, I guess after he left. I'm like, hey, you still in Tampa? Like, nope. And he's, like, in another state, you know, doing something else. Yeah. So, uh so you were traveling like crazy, man. So you know, close us out with you know something you know maybe that you have in, in, in you know in your heart about the state of the industry and what you're seeing right now in general. Look, I, I think that we're 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 in a good place for the dealers that have been very proactive in the right areas. I think they're in a good spot, and and I know a lot of them, but I think the vast majority of our stores. Uh, and our dealers that are out there are still not quite looking ahead and they still haven't learned enough from what happened a few years ago. You know, we, we have a very short memory, not only in this country, but, but certainly in our business. And, and I think we have to look and I think we have to be prepared. I think that boils down to, you know, getting our fixed operations in a better place. You know, that's something we hardly ever talk about. And yet that's the heart and soul of the dealership. And in most stores, it's 10 years behind, right? If we, if we looked purely at a service 
um, operation in the lane and we compared that to what's happening out front, they're literally 10 years behind in their processes, et cetera. Why? It's, well, it's okay. They keep coming in. We got our shops filled and everything's good. But, you know, that's going to be the differentiator as we continue to grow in this industry, as we continue to incentivize, as we continue to produce more vehicles and open up more stores. Again, we're doing all the same things that got us into the industry trouble in the first place. So I think the good dealers are focusing on that. I think they're focusing on retaining good employees, which means training them, means educating them, giving them a path to succeed, uh, giving them a path to grow and true growth. Uh, and then finally, making sure that all their departments are at today's level, not just the sales department, but every department with inside their dealership is at that same uh, advanced level in terms of process and technology. Hey, can I can I interrupt real quick? Sure. I just got next up. Clint Burns is uh, tweeting, and here's the, here's the here's what he says. It's not who sells the most; it's who steals the least. Who steals <laughs> the least? What 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 are we doing? And then then they then they add John Morazzi. What are you guys trying to get me killed? I think I think you were saying. Not, I think you said it's spills. not who sells the most; it's spills. who spills the least. Not steals the least. So <laughs> I know Clint Burns is used to tweeting at three a.m., three thirty a.m. So, <laughs> so okay. So it's not steal. It's spill. It's spill. All right. It's spills. Yes, it is. It is spills. It's yeah. Spills. John's like what? <laughs> well, hey. but, he's like he's like what did Ram say? I said. <laughs> well, Bill, Matt, Alan, thank you guys so much, man. You guys always deliver. We appreciate you being on the panel today. Yeah. Thank you guys very Thanks much. Thanks for having man. us. Really appreciate it. Thank, thank you. you. Have a good weekend. Alan. Uh, great, great panel, good guys. Job, guys. Yeah. Heather Burton uh, tweeted in here. I think it's pretty good. This is this is good here. Get your new young hires to look outside the box and realize that there's not always a quote answer. You know, find great tech savvy salespeople. I like that. There's not always an answer. Get your young hires to look outside the box. Man. Yeah, I like absolutely. to say, kick the box over. Absolutely, you break the box. What box? What box? What box? What and we're picking a little bit on the next up, but thank you, the next up, for your continued sponsorship. And also, yeah. yep. uh, they also tweeted out that uh, they can solve that problem of the five salespeople yeah, standing <laughs> out front. So if yeah. you got that at your dealership, get in touch with the next up. And also, they'll keep track of the numbers for you. We talked about that earlier in the panel yeah. about the dealer. Well, they converted you. Yeah, yeah. You're converted now. You're no yeah. longer a uh, number of, four guy. I, I've, been, I've been converted. Oh, wow. Wow. Have, yeah, I've been converted to the up system. Believe it came out of the closet, out of the up closet. I'm out of the, out of the closet. closet. Good for you. Yeah. Well, you know, the promise of thing, too, Experian, um, I was looking up, uh, it's Fortune Magazine, actually, from a couple months ago. Experian says that steady growth and remarkable stability in the subprime market. So, uh, you know, things are positive things are looking yeah. up you know it's not people so- got to drive man when there's a will there's a way and you know the subprime industry some of the lenders that are that are there today were created in the downturn you know what i mean mm-hmm. and it's when it's it's so it's opportunity and that's that's really where it's at it's always about people in my opinion it's about people and it's about how we think and i think that as long as we are willing to be open-minded and and, and we're hungry we're going to find a way and it really goes back to everything alan and the guys were talking about because as technology internet doesn't i can hear a salesperson saying that in the car business you can hear it mm-hmm. oh i'm in the internet man it's harder to sell cars with the internet well it's it, it's only harder to sell cars because what that states and i would never hire anybody that says that because that might be a good question to ask in an interview do you think it's harder or easy to sell cars in the in with the internet well i think right. it's harder well i'd never hire that person because what that means is you're not willing to work Look, I don't care. Listen, man, when there was no internet, you know, when there is an internet, what it is, it's just, that's like saying back when phone books came out. Well, you know, it's harder to sell cars right, with right. phone books, you know? 
Right. It's exactly. harder to sell cars, you know, because that dealer over there is doing direct mail. It's harder to sell cars because that, that dealer over there 30 years ago has a big inflatable, uh, inflatable, inflatable ape, you right. know, out in front. It's Meaning gorilla. it's just about working hard, yeah. man. It's about, you know, it's, man, i tell you something. <laughs> Guys, we've got some great shows coming up. T, why don't you read down the list, baby? We have How to Increase Your ROI for Marketing Dollars. Mm-hmm. Ding, 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 ding. Sales and service collabo. The sales and service collabo mm-hmm. show. Mm-hmm. The DM show mm. we call digital marketing. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're familiar with it. Yeah. And then we have our IM show. That's our integrated marketing uh, show. Th- oh. We got a show coming up, up too with the message. message. Uh, Steve Stoning, Alex Jefferson, Kevin Fry. Mm-hmm. Uh, got a good crew coming up there. I think we got a crew coming That's up with uh, um, Sean Stapleton and uh, Eric Milsch coming up as well. These guys. So we got some great, 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 great shows. Sean Stapleton just became the CEO. Uh, I, I just slipped <laughs> off the chair a little bit. Y'all, easy. Yeah, thank you for calling me out there. Oh, did you crap your pants, Tommy? <laughs> what? Oh, I, I wasn't supposed to say that on the air. I'm so oh sorry. I didn't, mean to, I didn't mean to call you out like that. I slipped out of my chair. It never happened to you. Slipped out of my chair, and Tommy, uh, you know. See how Dave responds in kind, right? He's like, oh, you slipped a little bit? Yeah, I did, you friggin' small wiener guy, you. <laughs> Look at you. And you grabbed your pants, didn't you? Like, really? Oh, Tommy, did you get that small penis taken care of? Oh, I'm so sorry. You know what? The show just went downhill very fast. Can we cut this out? We apologize. No, we Arnold, tweet that out. That's a good oh slash tag. Hey, I will yeah. slash tag hey, that slash all day that. We'll talk Tommy about got it. a small wiener. We'll talk about it at Christmas time. Yeah. Sounds like it was already time. slashed. Slash tag, you're coming out. <laughs> slash Tommy's tag. All right. Slash my segment. (laughs) Let's get out of here. All right, guys. Have a great week. Thank you, Cribs. Hey, Cribs, by the way, before we go. Cribs, by the way, if you're looking for granite, if you're looking for granite countertops for your new home. For all your marble, all your marble wears. And Chris, Cribs right there is wearing a shirt with the latest pattern of granite. That actually was in the, before, that right? was in the Coliseum right. before, uh, uh, the, this was in a part, a part oh, of the Coliseum, want, the look, marble so pattern. So we got some brand Coliseum. new floors here, and this is in this hey, shade of granite, you know, prime granite. It's, it's, you know, I'm it's also, marble, obviously. I'm, marble, also, I'm also selling new homes now, so yeah. you've got to use everything. Ah, you've got to okay. use every okay. advantage that you can Be get, like, right? Let's see, we have this color here, we also have this color here. Where do you see my shag carpet? Jeans next week. You have some? What size is that shirt, Cribs? <laughs> it's shag carpet back in. It's a boys' medium, right? Shag carpet jeans are. Is that a, I want some yes, I do. I do order small shirts. Because is that a, is that a baby gap? So I don't have to work it's out. Boys me, it's boys' medium. I think I have that shirt. Same size. Yeah, same size. All righty, guys. Have a good one. See you.